0: This show is sponsored by FIS. Welcome to Breaking Banks, the number one global fintech radio show and podcast. I'm Brett King.
1: And I'm Jason Henriks. Every week since 2013, we explore the personalities, startups, innovators, and industry players driving disruption in financial
2: services. From incumbents to unicorns, and from cutting-edge technology to the people using it to help create a more innovative, inclusive, and healthy financial future. I'm J.P. Nichols, and this is Breaking Banks.
3: Back to life, back
1: to reality, or at least back to in real life. Interestingly, the episodes where I sing, we see far fewer listens. Well, conferences are back. Finnovate had its largest show ever in New York City this fall. The Provoke team is crisscrossing the globe to speak, record, and fight. That's right. Fintech Fight Club made another appearance at Finnovate with Lindsey Davis of Atomic squaring off against Mary Winooski from Bankrate. The best fight yet, and it is available at Provoke.fm. This week, far fewer punches. Jim Marus, Chloe James, and I talk about all things Finnovate. One of our key takeaways from the return to in-person is just how awkward it is to end the conversation. In real life, it's just, it's, it's not as easy as online. I demonstrate how much easier it is by, well, hanging up on Jip. Hope to see you in person too. Another great episode of Breaking Banks. It is almost weird to see the two of you virtually after just seeing you in person last week, after a extended period of like not seeing you in person. Oh, it was so strange, yeah. I agree. Uh, <laughs> Chloe, did it feel weird for you?
4: I loved it. Um, I was just so happy to be back together in person, seeing Jim after a number of years. The last time I'd seen him was in uh, Toronto, yeah. I think, yeah. um, you know, heavily pregnant the last time i saw him and now i have two children and it was just nice to see him in person and then it was awesome to see you jason you stood out in your shirt floral (laughs) shirt as always and and i loved seeing everyone in person i thought it was such an awesome vibe just the energy i walked in i i I basically bumped into sort of three people i knew within the first five minutes having just come from the airport and i loved it
3: you know the, the the whole the whole interaction the 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 overwhelming desire of everybody to network was like almost ramping up whatever was there before. I I've been doing things. I I've seen people over the last uh, several months, very small groups for the most part. But even the big groups, I, I've done a couple stage presentations, and those sometimes aren't really as much networking. This was really cool, and, and actually. I went from that to another event where I was also doing a lot of interacting and networking, and it was really good because nobody wanted to do anything other than talk to each other, which oh. made so the the off off program education was even greater than the in- program education, which was also very good. it, it was it, it was fun because you didn't know what normal was going to be like because there aren't many replicative, Programs that we do that you go from year to year to year or half year to half year in this case, but to see it actually come about and not feel like it was stifled in any way was great. Yeah.
1: Well, and let's talk about that, right? Because with Finnovate having taken a pause coming back last spring, it, one of my early complaints that I used to bring up to when it was run by Jim Bruni, having been at the very first Finnovate is... For the first couple of years, it felt like it was the same incumbent providers were pitching the same thing over and over again to see it like, hey, does anybody want this yet? Right. I won't mm-hmm. pick on one of them that, well, there's several of them that have the uh, three um, letter acronyms that like, you're like, you did this last year. You did this last year. You did this. We're on year four. It felt like there was a backlog of new things coming in. With an equal mix of, you know, some of those, you know, and this is my personal pet peeve, and this is the hill I will die on, Greg Palmer, and I'll link this to you. If you won Best in Show the year before, you can't win Best in Show with the same demonstration the next year. That's it. I'm dying on that hill.
4: I know that was a frustration of of yours there, wasn't it? Wasn't it, Jason? And I think, and you know, what? on that note, I just do want to talk a little bit about all the demos. And I just thought there were some really standout, impressive people on stage. And we're talking about sort of the energy that was even in the conference, as in, you know, walking around, you know, with with delegates and people that were there, but it was just um, the energy on the stage people from all over the world. I I thought it was, um, you know, very diverse. I saw some fantastic men, some fantastic women, you know, lots of different ages, lots of different nationalities. A lot of
3: different different ages, yeah. There's some that I said, oh, geez, you know, they're, they're, they're creeping up to my age category and they're innovating. And then there's obviously one standout that was, oh my God, they are so young on stage. And then realizing they weren't quite as young as they looked, but still the dynamic and the fact that, Innovation can be done by, as you said, Chloe, all ages, all, all denominations, you know, any age, any race, any any place in the world. And I thought there was an, an extraordinarily good diversity of types of innovations. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm one who really tends to want to hear what I want to hear. And so there were some that I go, oh, this really isn't what I'm at all interested in but it was still interesting if that makes sense you know i'm not a back office operational kind of guy but those innovations were clear enough and clean enough that you really understood this is pretty cool stuff
4: yeah, we've talked about AI. I know, Jason, that's a huge piece for you. It was everywhere, but there was a lot of AI, wasn't it? It was absolutely.
1: I, I'm going to be ranting this whole thing, is what it seems like. You guys are pushing my hot buttons. Yes, the AI was everywhere. Keep going,
4: Chloe. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely everywhere. I mean, two, two founders I was really impressed by was Nuance. Uh, there's uh, female presenters, and they were incredible. Um, that was a huge AI piece, and some of the um, achievements that they've had so far, and actually integrating things within, inter- like, Organizations. I mean, we can come on to integration and partnerships, but if we're talking themes and AI being a huge one, surely integration and partnerships was the massive piece there. And that was, you know, everyone, everyone sort of wanting to meet everyone and actually get something into an organisation that will really make a difference. And there were the other fantastic panels of investors who were really talking about, you know, the classic age old of, you know, you've got to solve a problem that we have that we don't have the bandwidth to fix and you've already got the solution. Like, unless you have that, you're just dead in the water.
3: You know, that, that's a, it, it, interesting about the AI thing because it, it is interesting that AI was everywhere, but if you go into the banks, AI is nowhere. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but I, I'll, I'll rant forever in the fact that we talk about great things that we don't do as an industry. And AI and use of data is a really good example of unless you're going to do a plug and play, which not many institutions are going to do a plug and play on something that they don't understand. The challenge is going to be, I want to start seeing it in the marketplace so that these things don't look as far-fetched. You know, the other challenge is, um, and this is going to be what I'm going to die, the hill I'm going to die on, is that if you went to the floor, and I'm not going to talk to innovations as much as the vendor floor. And you asked for the elevator speech and you close your eyes. You weren't sure who you're talking to. Oh, absolutely. I'm really, really, Preach. really frustrated by the elevator speeches that say we can do everything from A to Z and it looks like this, realizing that right now in this economy, the buy I wrote an article about it. the buyers aren't buying what the sellers are selling. The reality is, and you break this down into what you really are going to sell, no one's going to buy it because nobody can get their arms around something so big at a time when they're scaling back, right or wrong, their, their innovation process. Uh,
1: so let's build on one of these things, Jim, and then let's come back to the pitch. But I want to build on data and AI for a second. One of the problems, not only are they not positioning it in a way that the bank wants to buy, the incumbent wants to buy. They don't understand the challenge. The extract, translate, and load of the data within a bank is so laborious. And the data is so siloed in so many places. And you talk to these startups, they're like, oh, but we have an API. Well, guess what? Your bank doesn't right? The bank you're, you're trying to sell to and pitch API to, like they now understand what API is, but the incumbent providers they're relying on don't make it easy to access that. So I think you need to both understand what their problem is you're trying to solve, but also what that journey is going to look like. They don't want to sign a five-year contract with their you know, three-letter core provider in order to you know, create access for this data flow. They need to find a way to do this in a way that the bank can actually digest, right? they they're selling too much of the elephant to be uh swallowed in one bite.
4: So what's it gonna take then just to is it going to take just going into one of those silos and solving the problem in one of them before it gets rolled out across the whole bank? Really? I mean, that's what you're selling.
1: One of the silos, or because this one is near and dear to my heart because it's what we demoed, is that uh the concept of social money between the Chuck Network and uh prize out. And what was amazing about this is, so we started concept development on this while the first entrants were being announced for Finnovate, right? What made it go so fast is what both sides recognized is we had a partner in Q2 that we could rapidly prototype something, get the prototype done, and move into production. I'm super proud of uh, all of the teams from Chesapeake, Reading. Uh, Q2 and PrizeOut on doing this is, this is, to my knowledge, the first time you've seen a demo done live that was running off of a core, not just one core, but two cores. And the way we were able to do it is PrizeOut recognized the limitations and how hard it was to sell into this. And they said, so what we need to do is actually find an environment we can work. We're going to start with Q2. We know how to leverage the SDK. We can go rapidly prototype some of this stuff.
3: Well, that's going to be the key. Is that you know a lot of a lot of these innovations can't take data in its messiest state and work with it, but they've got to figure out who they're going to be partnering with to do so. You know, and that's going to be the key because at the end of the day, and and we we all talked about this independently and together, is if you can't get speed and scale, you are going to fail because by the time you come out with something that takes 12 to 18 months, it's already too late because something's already better in the marketplace that you're competing against. And, you know, most solution providers on the, on what I call the symbols, the solutions are already out there, realize that their only way they're going to make it is to be able to do the back office processing, even though it's not, it's going to be outside of the core. It's still going to get the solution done. And right now, at the end of the day, the solution is more important than the then the messiness, as long as you're not making it more messy to do it, I, I, that almost sounds logical. But the reality is, there are some organizations that presented that that haven't fixed haven't figured out that they're they're wanting to get it in a beautiful setup with data, and that's just not going to be the way the financial institution can provide it. No, not at
1: all. And I I think it's interesting. We talk about AI was everywhere, but I. The point that I think we're circling around is what we're really talking about is data. Mm-hmm. And it's the how do we better use data? How do we plug it into things? How do we use advanced you know machine learning and other to really drive that? And I think one of the things that I walked away with a little bit disappointed from the show was it feels like there's still a disconnect between what we want to do with it and our capability to actually get it done.
4: And the access to what do you mean? Or the capability? Yeah, I like, mean the remember?
1: access, like there's yeah. there's a ton of really cool things that we could do with this that were being presented. Um, Jim's point, you know, notwithstanding, which is it isn't always presented very well in the elevator pitch, which is mm-hmm. I can do all things to all people, just tell me yeah. what you're willing to pay me for. Yeah. Um, but there are some cool applications, you know, within there that you could tease out. I was super impressed with able. Um Mm-hmm. I was super impressed with uh, Lisa Goldshire's presentation, formerly of the ABA, now with ASA. So she only changed one letter, uh, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, in terms of the capability, what I worry about though is, Jim. Like to your point, in a in a market where the bank's instinct is to pull back and try and cut their way through a recession, and all of these things that could actually pull them forward through it. How do we bridge that disconnect?
4: Surely it takes, I mean, it takes obviously the investment, but I feel like I feel like it has to come from, there's all sort of all these, you know, young and hip and cool founders out there. I feel like it's a founder who has been in that position within a bank who needs the information because they truly know the problem and how to implement it back into the bank.
3: It's interesting too, and to that point, I think to a degree, is that this is the same ever since I've gone to Finnovate. To develop an innovation, if you build, it doesn't mean they're going to come. The challenge I see, and, and I referenced this again last week at another event, is that if you don't help the financial institution actually implement it and market it, you're going to have a great innovation that sits on the desk and doesn't get used for what you want it to use for. I mean, a lot of these innovations can give you great back office insight, but that's not what they are built for. They are built to actually help the end consumer, the end small business, the end corporate um entity. And the reality is, I think most of these organizations don't realize that just as hard as getting it into the institution will be getting it out of the institution and actually used on the street to help the there won't be a value exchange. So eventually yep. you're going to be. Unwound in the financial institution because there's been no return on investment.
1: Yeah, well, and I think that's the challenge that you know the the one we can point to amongst our banks all the time is Salesforce. Hey, we're going to get all of these efficiencies with Salesforce, and then you get down to the actual people who are supposed to be using Salesforce. No one is showing them how it actually helps their day to day life, and so this is one of my favorite stories. From I was flown to the West Coast to talk to a management team. And this is back when I was living in Boston. So I land after, you know, uh, a late night flight, roll in, fully hyper-caffeinated. And they said, we tried that innovation thing and it didn't work. And of course, it was like, well, as long as I'm here, I'm going to start asking questions. What mm-hmm. did you try? We tried CRM. And my next question, something is like, do they try and like use some crazy startup or build their own? They're like, we're using Salesforce. And I'm like, well, what's not working? And they're like, we're not getting any ROI to your point, Jeff. And I'm like, well, what are you doing with Salesforce? We're like, we're using Salesforce. And they look at me like I'm the, the stupid one. And I'm like, well, what are you using it for? And they're like, CRM. And they're like, oh, and by this point, I am going around rolling.
4: in circles here.
1: <laughs> right. And I'm like, no, but what are you doing differently with it? And it's like, but it's Salesforce.
4: And I think it's this is the magic source of Salesforce. It's fix everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It has force in it, Chloe, to yeah, your point. Yeah, it's like it has exactly. the force. But Jim, I think this goes back to the point you had made about what's the problem you're solving. It's not what vendor you use, it's how do they articulate the problem. And this is, I, to Chloe, to your point, the problem I have with all of the AI to everything. No one has a problem that says AI right? Like, it it might be the means by which you get there, but you're solving something else. But so much of those introductions, like the elevator pitch involved cloud, AI, best in class, blah, 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 is what they amalgamated, and you didn't understand the problem.
5: Okay,
3: so I have an idea. You know, you give awards for what will not be best to show, but will be best idea or best presentation, and then at the next Finnovate, six months later, mm. you give the really big award, which is who has gone to market and actually implemented it somewhere? Because the reality is if it takes more than yep. six months to get it implemented anywhere, yep. then it either wasn't a real good idea or you've made it too difficult to implement or the financial institutions you know, messed it up. So you know, let's find out six months after the Finnovate, who were really the best to show, not only from the idea standpoint, but getting people on board, number of households they've implemented against, what kind of ROI the organizations have had yeah. and have these same organizations without having to get on stage. Yeah. Present how well is it going? Because any longer than in my world, any longer than six months means guess what? Your solution isn't fit for market yet. Because I don't care what the solution is, except for Salesforce. If you can't start getting an ROI in six months, this is not this is not speed of innovation. This is not an innovative process.
4: Yeah, it's like don't tell us, show us, but yeah. not show us in a demo. Show us when it's when you implement. Right. Oh, that's such a good GM. I think that's an awesome new strategy. Talk to talk to Greg Palmer and maybe. And I didn't have him. that when yeah. I start.
3: We started this show. That just that just came out of that came out of somewhere else. But but I think that yeah. you know. The problem right now is the industry will go if they keep on going to shows and think they're innovative, they aren't. Yep. Is how quickly can you get these innovations on stage? Oh, and by the way, maybe we give a couple of financial institutions on what they actually implemented on those last months.
4: Mm. Yeah. Did you guys have any conversations with you know people who were there? perhaps like industry side as in you know the incumbent side if whether they had really seen anything that maybe they were thinking about taking back to their organization whether or not they have the power or not to do that I'm just interested I had a lot of chats I had chats to a lot of the demoing and I did have uh, chats to a couple of um an Aussie guy actually uh from uh you know uh, Vincent Turner and he was talking you know he was saying he had sort of you know 10 meetings set up with with people there who are interested in his products. And I wonder whether they come to fruition, but I'm just interested on your perspectives there.
1: Well, this one was clearly in flight since it was just announced last week, but Upswat and one of our members, Emprise Bank, uh, announced a deal. And so Upswat actually helps cleanse SMB data. And I thought they had a, a strong demo. But Jim's point even stronger to me is Emprise you know, is a very thoughtful organization and what it does. But to see them kind of say, hey, we're going to take this you know, straight into rolling it out to work around how do we actually better monitor the health of our SMBs. To me, that was impressive. And it makes yeah. me wonder to Jim's question around the model, do we need to like have different awards where it's like solving most interesting problem? And if mm. you like win both, like if you're a finalist for most interesting problem, you're automatically entered into the lottery for a year from now. You show us the traction you've made. Yeah.
3: And and I mean, you win and best honestly, execution. The idea of the traction reward may I don't want to to dissuade organizations that are really on the startup phase. I mean Deb, De, you know Debbie and some others were so early in the process that. They won't see it in six months, but it doesn't mean it wasn't a good idea, you know, or, or a really cool solution. But on the other, I, you know, I think there's something to be said for is this something that is actually because you know, Jason and, and Chloe, how many of the the pre- presentations from three years ago actually have seen traction? And and oh, let's even make it even scarier. How many of Best Shows? Have never seen the light of day and and not, and that's nobody's discredit but it means that we either the problem was too big mm-hmm. or or you weren't able to market it which at the end of the day for either the fintech solution or the finance fiction, mm-hmm. that isn't good news and yep. and what was the return on investment and oh by the way if you implemented it at 45 institutions but none of them can really tell you what the roi is but all oh, we got we have de- deployed this at 3.4 million consumers, and you go, uh, that doesn't tell me anything. You know, we we have some, uh, you know, we have friends in the marketplace that deployed their solution across an, an array of customers, but it basically yeah. was just an insight gather more than anything else. I don't know. So mm-hmm. if you could change, you know, has, I would say, more or
1: less stayed the same over you know a decade and a half at this point right there's been the introduction of more content is the staying the same mean it has staying power and of course they're now being copied by many different places and the you know use of their gong and fixed pitch time is mm-hmm. it is it time to blow it up and start over and say hey you're the leader in the space innovate or does the staying power mean in the pe- fact people keep coming back for it and you know ascribe value to it other than Alex Johnson um, does it mean that it's, no, don't be chasing shiny objects? What would you do? So Chloe, I'll start with you. If you were the head of Finnovate or recommending Finnovate to someone. Yeah.
4: Um, a couple of things I loved. I loved the, not just because of the word of it, but the champagne uh, panels at the end of the day. Loved. I, there were some of the best conversations I heard when you sort of got your glass of wine and went and sat in. I sat in sort of uh, different payments innovation. I sat in. Oh God! Uh, sort of credit unions and working across those much smaller organisations. There's multiple there. There were so, so many good conversations. I loved that. I did love the seven minute sort of demo. I love the gong. I think it. I think it, you know speeds things along, keeps it really snappy. Big you know uh, presentations by the likes so, of. I mean, two of them. I'm. Uh, we're going to chat on on the show with um, Sam Kilmer and James Robert Lay. Are going to be. we to chat to them about their time at Innovate. So. Loved those, Uh, loved the big uh, female investor panel um, with, you know, the numerous from across there. We'll have it in the show notes here. Um, I like Jim's idea of actually maybe the competition needs to be, you know, show us what you've achieved and maybe it's a new, a new style of doing things, not just, oh, you gave an awesome pitch, but actually we don't know whether that's ever going to go anywhere really realistically in the industry, it would be great to hear from people, you know, we did this and this is how it was achieved in these banks and major organizations. I mean, wouldn't that be powerful? And then that's really, you know, that's where you'd see the big winners, I think. Yeah. And you know maybe what? they don't have take much you know, sorry, I should sorry. say maybe they don't have as much to kind of pitch for because they've already got the deals, but certainly to get the bragging rights of that, it would mean you actually really have achieved something.
3: You know, to take Shark Tank. Idea, And maybe in, in case, instead of some of these, what I'm going to call uh, keynotes on the main stage, you have video shorts on previous innovations that were presented at Finnovate and where they are today. You know, I, I kind of like in Shark Tank where they come back and, and it's after the first commercial, it's their first commercial that they go, oh, by the way, here's an innovation we came up with that was is like a year and a half old. Here's where they are today and it's going really well. Because it really gives those organizations a chance to represent, by the way, this is not only a good idea, but it actually saw the light of day It actually generated revenue. It is something that more institutions should get because I think while we all love the entertainment value of the ideas, mm-hmm. what I think most organizations are looking for is, show me something that work that I can implement quickly. And yep. if that's what you're looking for, you you're gonna have to really take a leap to find it, innovate in most cases, well, Jason. Did, it, without taking yours out of the equation because you did show that it's already in place, but most of these are not at that stage. But I'd love to see the where are they now, type scenario and and. You know, there's some really big success stories that started to innovate. I mean, they can they can go back forever, and if they got a decent video crew me on, these would be tremendous.
4: Well, and then, do mean, you blo- then you have a then you have a blooper show reel of all the ones that didn't work.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, or what did they learn? You know, like, or what did they learn? I
4: know, you know, what? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just joking.
1: Well, I think the clear winner, though, Jim, if we're going to take that idea and run with it, is going from Matt West's hands. Of money desktop to become MX, like I can't think yeah. of anyone. I mean, we mm-hmm. certainly saw Marquetta has been on stage. You know that was impressive, but yeah, it is an impressive roster. And actually, you know, as we wrap up, folks should go check out if you go to provoke.fm. We host the Finnovate podcast, and Greg does an amazing job of bringing yeah. back past winners. And It's so interesting mm-hmm. to hear their journey, kind of from the stage. Uh, my recommendation was he needs to take a little bit more like the bachelor bachelorette, you know, style of what their journey to love was. But Jim said, or Greg said, no, not our audience. What do I'd I do? I'll be know? all
4: over that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be the new, I'll be the new host of that one if that's okay. All right, can...
1: let's take that, Chloe. I'll pitch that to them, but thank you. And, if move, looking for a let's,
4: yeah.
3: let's remember also, while we have some critique, this is the biggest Centivate ever. Yeah. And so, Something must be still right in that they're bringing the buyers yeah. and sellers together. The, they've improved. They tweaked the 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 campaign uh, cut cutaways. And but the, again, the final takeaway has got to be: people are really ready hmm. to interact and to to network to the degree that there were standing room only situations and they did not have enough chairs on the nope. second day when they took the normal amount away. There were people looking for seats, which I have to tell you. Never was the case. You'd go into a room that was already shortened and you go, and it's still pretty sparse. Nobody wanted to leave. Fantastic. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you both.
1: Great to see you both at Finnovate. One of my last takeaways that I spoke with several about is it got so easy on Zoom to know when you're ending the conversation because it just hit end. And the awkward thing about being in person is like, how do we end this thing? Like, we're, we're together face to face. You know, do you turn and walk away? What's right?
3: So well, we, can, we can go into conversations around people that stalk you and you you go, how can I end this conversation? And you realize you can't go to the bathroom. They follow you there, whatever. Bad stories, but we, we all know some.
0: You may already have payments embedded into your software platform, but do you have flexibility around how those payment experiences are created? What about control over your pricing or ability to use your own branding? Chances are you probably don't. Discover WorldPay for platforms, a payments platform that puts you in control and puts your software customers first. This all-in-one payment facilitation platform offers more than just embedded payments. With WorldPay for Platforms, take advantage of a full set of solutions, including professional managed and advisory services to enhance your business. Make your software even better with a solution that easily integrates and adapts to your needs, helping you create experiences beyond payments. Discover the possibilities you can unleash with WorldPay for Platforms. Visit fisglobal.com worldpayplatforms to get started today.
4: Hi, so Chloe James here for Breaking Banks, chatting to Sam Kilmer, who I had the pleasure of seeing on stage at Finnovate Fall a week or so ago in New York City, which was amazing to be back in New York, to be back at an event. Luckily, was introduced to him by my good friend and, and peer, Jim Maroose, who introduced us in the corridor. And I said to Sam, I just loved his presentation and I just wanted to jump on to this Finnovate Fall wrap-up episode to have a little chat with him. So, Sam, how are you?
2: I'm fantastic. It was good to meet you in New York City. It's been good to travel the country again and go to some of these great events and meet people like you and talk shop.
4: Talk shop. And talk shop is what you did. You're up on stage. You had some great quotes from some brilliant people. Do you want to just give the audience or listeners just a little bit of a wrap up of of what you covered in your presentation? And then we're going to talk a little bit about the future and what you're doing and what you're expecting to see in the big wild world of fintech.
2: Yeah, so uh, given, especially given all the volatility in the fintech market, uh, what my session focused in on was what wins deals. Uh, deal making, obviously, when the money was really flowing like champagne uh, a few years ago, maybe we didn't have to think too much about strategizing on, on what gets good deals. But we thought, hey, the, the timing is right to talk a little bit about how the market has changed. Not only that, but how deal making has changed. And We just covered sort of three areas, different areas of, if you want to call it the deal-making funnel, whether it's a partnership deal or uh, between a fintech and a bank, uh, commercial lending deal, there's certain universals. And so we got into things like how uh, content and um, not just content marketing, but just good, helpful content can influence the deal-making process early on. Um, How to focus in on pain relief as opposed to kind of nice-to-have additive elements um of a solution or of a of a product and then also um the elements of a really well-honed pitch uh, and how important they are we put so much work into our technology and our product but i think one of the things that everybody pretty much has to admit when you go to finovate is the good news is is that every pitch is only seven minutes long so if it sucks good news is is it'll be over pretty fast Mm. um But it's kind of a shame, really. It's almost criminal that people have put so much work into their product and then um, the pitch is sort of lame. Mm. Um, Now, the good news is there were some good ones too, right? But Mm -hmm. sort of like what separates a great pitch, great home pitch, from um, sort of like dialed-in, autopilot, lame pitch?
4: Yeah, that falls a bit flat. What were – Can you give us a couple of examples of either what you saw or, you know, what does make a really good pitch? You've obviously mentioned really sharp content. I know that you made some mention in your own presentation about the real sort of solving a problem, which mm-hmm. for age old, really, right? But I mean, for the for the bankers in the room, it's like yeah. solve a problem that I can't do myself and then you've got my business.
2: Exactly. Well, I'll give you three examples, and I'm not sharing them out of any sense of endorsement or anything. They just were three of the pitches that I saw that I went, okay, they they sort of they sort of nailed it in my book, whether they won an award or not. And I don't yeah. really even know if they did. Um, one that came to mind was um Lemonade LXP, um, John Finley. And I the, the main reason there was he was just constantly using great examples. I think in seven minutes he had two bank examples, two credit union examples, and one or two fintech examples. Mm. And they were just woven in naturally. So it wasn't sort of buzzword framework, blah, 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 blah. It was, this is what this bank is doing. This is what this fintech is doing. Mm. Um, another one that popped out was like Agent IQ. They, I, I think mainly just because they're very interactive. Um, Soren and, and Matt from Agent IQ kind of had this Hans and Franz thing going up on stage with mm-hmm. the gray shirts. Uh, they kept it light and fun, and they were in a category. I think those sort of chatbot digital yeah. solution they things. Are, were, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, that was a pretty crowded company, and I thought they stood out pretty well. And and those are, I mean, those are a couple that came to mind.
4: Yeah, yeah, they were great ones. I mean, I I saw some as well, and I think it was it was challenging when sort of some of the technical uh, parts didn't really work on stage, and that really needed to be sort of smooth as well for people to really get their picture across. But you're right, seven minutes, I mean, it's a make or break. Uh, would you expect to see deals come out of Finnovate Fall?
2: Oh, yeah, very much so for a few reasons. For starters, Finnovate Fall had high volume. I think they had 1,200 people there.
4: Yeah. Which it was I tack- think
2: was, I think that was a record for them, even pre-pandemic. Um, I think they're 2019 or 2018, I think they were 20 or 30% bump off of, of those prior years and I think also for those people that are first you know in addition to some startup companies there's a you have a lot more established companies and candidly this bear market is ferrying out a lot of the dreamware and really focusing in on people that have you know real investors real mm-hmm. um real capabilities uh, another example that that comes to mind was uh, the folks at Aperture had an embedded banking, like, you know, I say demo because what they showed wasn't, you know, a bank in production doing it, but they sort of went ahead and put together the software to show how someone could embed, uh, I think it was digital banking into a travel agency, like a commercial Mm -hmm. client. And I think when you have that many people in one place and solution providers showing Things that um, are, if not fully in production, at least they could be they could be manifested very quickly uh, into production. I think those are the recipes for success and getting some deals.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And and as you mentioned, there did seem to be a real buzz and energy. It was packed. It was really busy. And I guess we're seeing a lot of that at the moment. MX was on recently. We've got Money 2020 coming up in mm-hmm. a few weeks in Vegas, which can't believe that's the date. Uh, the year is just flying by, but it does seem that people are sort of willing to get out there and, and do a little bit more. I know that you know I also spoke to James Robert Lay on yeah. the podcast as well. And, and we, we were sort of talking a bit a bit about connection. And obviously that's his, you know, his passion area. And he he was sort of talking about the, the being passionate about. You know, people being in person we've now got this hybrid model that we can obviously like you and I are chatting now but then we' we're, we're meeting in person as well and uh we're excited to see a lot more of that and I imagine that you would be be the same and and presenting all around the place what's up for you next Sam what have you got in the pipe
2: oh quite a bit pipe we're we're doing a lot of work uh here with uh both investors in fintech mm-hmm. uh and tech firms which is where I came from so I was a I was, a. I started off in digital banking and as a banker, but then I spent most of my career working for tech firms in mm-hmm. partnerships, um, mergers and acquisitions, strategy, that kind of thing before I came to Cornerstone. And so a lot of the work that we do here, it's not, I mean, my colleague, Ron and a lot of his work is more public and you're going to see it because mm-hmm. that's the nature of research. You publish it. When you're advising a, a, a fintech firm on, you know, why their pitch sucks and it needs to be better. Or um, you know how they need to reprioritize their their tech roadmap, or uh, who they may be thinking or should be thinking about acquiring or partnering with. That's obviously sensitive, confidential work, mm. uh, and we have a truckload of it right now. And I'm and and I'm I'm very grateful for that because it's not only work that's I think important. Uh, James Robert pointed out, I think rightly, um, love his passion around. You know, let's help people. Let's get mm. content out. Let, you know, let's let's focus on helping first. I think was one of his themes. I'm a big fan of that. I even have yeah. something I've riffed off of that called the help based business case because a lot of times fintechs and banks will struggle with. Um, they'll try to over ROI everything and financially engineer every last detail when it's usually uh, the magic is found. Uh, Chloe and just finding out what you're passionate about and how you're trying to help someone Mm. and you can usually get to those impact areas uh, once you are a little bit more culturally and I don't know if you've got to you've got to be able to sustain the magic and it's not just money so Uh,
4: yeah it's not and it comes down to caring and that's exactly what he was chatting about the help and hope which Mm-hmm. I love and it's a really optimistic way of, of looking at things and it, it's it's really making change and I think that's I mean honestly Sam that's why I really got passionate about fintech in the first place. I mean sort of I'm probably coming up to around eight-ish years in in this area and and that's something that I love. It's you know all about financial inclusion, it's about the unbanked and, and those themes really do seem to flow on and accessibility, you know, those mm-hmm them to flow on at all of the big sort of fintech, you know, conferences and and conversations around the world. And that's really um, inspiring and exciting. And I I think there definitely is more in in sort of the greater, you know, the the more traditional banks are certainly seeing that that matters to people. Like it matters to people if you're being sustainable, you know, ESG matters to people, um, to your customers. And I guess if you miss the trick on that, particularly even in the last year, uh, and going forward, that seems to be an area that there's so much uh, focus on and attention, mm-hmm. and you know, for the greater good, right? I mean, I'm I'm happy about that.
2: Well, and I think unlike a lot of the larger banks um, who serve, you know, m- many countries or even many many regions or many different groups of clients, one of the things that we've worked on with both fintech firms, tech firms, and banks is is uh, helping them whether they're a commercial bank, most of the banks in the United States are commercial banks finding you know what what time I mean, are you are you passionate about you know dentists you know are there some specific customer niches In many cases uh, uh, people are redefining what their community is you know and and, it, and I think the reason that helps is it, it helps us wake up every day and think about who we're trying to help. Mm-hmm. But which doesn't mean that we're not focused on the financials and all those other things that help us sustain the work. But mm-hmm. there's just more to this than the financial engineering of running a business. Uh, and so I, I actually, I, in addition to James Robert making me think about when my wife and I were just married, listening to a new album by this little band called The Counting Crows, I think yeah. what is he said, what were you doing in 1994? Yeah. Uh, I think the other thing he reminded us of, uh, it's consistent with uh, what we help people around in terms of deal-making is, uh, to your point, uh, focusing on the help and, and, as you said, the hope.
4: Sam, there was also an amazing session that I know that both of us really enjoyed, and it was four powerhouse women speaking about investment, uh, and I know that you I know the names. I mean, uh, Alexa Von Tobel was one of them. There was a, the woman from Bain Ventures. I think that you've got them there tell me a bit about your perspectives on that session because we spoke about how we both thought that just they knocked it out the park
2: oh it was a, it was a rock star session of uh, Peggy Mango from JP Morgan I think she was at PayPal Ventures before uh when I had first met her I just thought and she's run uh panel sessions before but uh, i had the lady from Bank Capital Sarah Hinkfus, I think and then there was Alexa von Tobel from inspired Capital Julie Huang uh, there were just it was I just felt like that it was positive positive. Mm. But it was a reality check on, you know, the cost of capital and what's real versus fluffy and fintech. And um, they were just it was it was very clearly not over scripted, Mm. but yet it was very specific. They gave great examples. I was just I was blown away and I was I was taking notes um, and hoping that if and when I ever have a chance to host my next panel session or participate in a panel with any of those folks that I'm half as good.
4: Yeah, they were really incredible. I think it was, was it Penny from Bain, but it was it Penny from Bain. Oh, uh, it was I think it was Sarah. Sarah, pardon me, Sarah from Bain. You know, I love I loved all of them, but I loved she really uh put a really kind of interesting spin on the fact that there's cash out there now. So yes. you know, cash was high and for investment, and then there was a dip, and now she really made that point of. You know, let's get ready. There's money out there. If you've got, you know, a great product, she made an excellent point about, you know, they want a good founder, and you made that point as well. You were like, the founder has to be good, like the person with the idea. If we're going to invest in it. We are investing in the idea, but we're also investing in that person. Right. So that the strength of the great, talent. Yeah. Great points there.
2: She she absolutely nailed that. I think I think the nugget I took away, if I recall it right, was. The money's still there. It's just the cost of capital is higher. Might cost you a little bit more because people sense it's a little bit of a risky market, but that you have to have strong leadership and you mm. know just get to the point and get to the problem that you solve. Uh, we, we refer to sometimes, you'll hear sometimes people talk about it as, are you, uh, are you a pain reliever or are you a vitamin? And yeah. um, I think the fintech world has enough vitamins. We need yeah. pain relief. And I think that's the point that, sarah made well and and so i was taking notes for sure
4: yeah she did i think you had that in your presentation didn't you as well with the you know the the bottles on the shelf of like you know this thing solves everything and will heal you of everything in the world this thing is really going to fix your sinuses when it's allergy season which it actually is in toronto here <laughs> now That's right. and you're like well i'm obviously going to go for that because it's you know to the point it's to the pain point and that was a really great yeah, really great. Well,
2: I appreciate that. We run across it all the time. The issue, the main issue is leadership and credibility. Even if it's true that your fintech solution is, in fact, some type of, you know, mega multivitamin that could actually solve 58 problems, nobody's going to believe you. Yeah. that's It's yeah. an incredible claim.
4: Everything. It goes back to that. You can't be everything to everyone. Yeah.
2: Pick something and dig in. Fix it, and then move on to the what they call it, land and expand, or whatever. But it's it's mainly figure out what you're you're trying to to nail down. And uh, so I thought that they did a great job of that, and I was uh, glad to be in the audience in in New York for that one.
4: As was I. All right. Well, thanks, Sam. Thanks for thanks for joining us. It's yeah. Great to sort of hear your perspectives at the event, and wasn't it nice to be in person again? And connecting and I know that we've got so much more of that you know going forward to the you know latter end of 2022 and into 2023 and beyond and you know if the pandemic has done anything and it's done so many things good bad the ugly but it really has propelled us I think to to care a bit more and to really you know care about people and futures and you know, the the good of the world. So um thanks Sam for your time and, and I'm sure we'll speak to you on Breaking Banks again soon and look forward to seeing you in person.
2: You as well. Thanks, Chloe.
4: Thanks. So here with James Robert Lay from the Digital Growth Institute. And we were together in New York a couple of weeks ago, woohoo, in person. Uh, Chloe James here on Breaking Banks obviously. Um, I want to talk to James about what he thought of Innovate Fall. This is our big wrap-up episode. A little bit about what you presented on stage. I know you had, you know, a packed room as usual. Uh, tell me about your experience, what you presented, and then we'll go on to a little bit about what you're expecting to see.
5: Yeah, you know, first and foremost, it was so good to get back in person, back in real life uh, after a couple of years. There was um, an energy uh, you could feel throughout the entire event. There was a a buzz, and to be able to get back up on stage and from out from behind a camera, you know, uh, we we got so used to working in Zoom. Um, it, it was it was a different experience, and I think it was even different if you go all the way back to 2019. Um, the re- the reception, people's desire to learn, um, but not as individuals, but as, as a community, um, really, I think warmed my heart and made me very hopeful for the future of, of, of banking, uh, as a whole. And I mean, that was the key essence of, of, of my session. As, as you know, it was, it was about two things it was about, you know, uh, giving people help, uh, and giving people hope. Because it's going to be a very interesting, you know, eight years if we're looking at 2030 as as our next waypoint. Um, help and hope, I think, are, are two things that people are really craving, both within the industry, but also externally as well.
4: Absolutely. And I think, that, I think that sort of theme has been going for a little while now, but only to be propelled, obviously, I'm going to say it, by the pandemic. And is that really where you're seeing that big sort of upkick came in? And that's where you see that there's this real desire, and actually, Jim and uh, Jason and I had this discussion as well that it really is this desire to actually make, actually make, you know, fundamental change, change people's lives and help them, and that's really going into the corporate sector more, and people really wanting to to help people.
5: Yes and I would say it's that one word the the idea of change and you kind of saw 2020 as as a tipping point for this it was it was being talked about a little bit within financial services but 2020 really accelerated a lot of that discussion that dialogue that discourse and change is hard change is scary change is painful and I think there's a parallel that's happening here you know, there's a lot of transformation transformation happening within financial services but there's a lot of transformation happening externally which within regards to just people's wallets and financial lives and i think it's 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 using that as an empathetic bridge to you know understand what we're going through as an industry to then externally what people are feeling on the home front
4: yeah, are you really encouraged by what you're saying? You said, you know, there was a great energy at Finnovate Fall, and I absolutely agree. Interestingly, that's exactly what I said uh, to Jason and Jim, that I just thought there was this sort of energy. People were really pumped to be there. As you said, they really wanted to learn. Uh, do you think that that is also sort of, um, I guess, weighed up with a little bit of a trepidation about coming back in person? How long is it going to take to really get everyone sort of, you know, back in person, communicating together? We're gonna see that in the next year,
5: hopefully. It's interesting when you study human behavior. Um, and you watch the,
4: love, yeah.
5: Right. You watch the the common patterns of people. Um, I was actually talking with my wife about this. I, I said, I wonder how long after everything quote unquote goes back to normal, which will never go back to full normal what we had before. It's just we have new patterns that we've we've started to to grow accustomed to. But but getting back in person, um, I say within a year, I mean, even watching people and the way that they interacted with each other, there was a little bit of a, you know, a, a curiosity, a little bit of wariness. Uh, but as as the event went on, I saw people's behaviors change, handshakes even a couple of hugs uh, every now and then. And it's just, you know, it's it's human beings. We're, we're, we're communal creatures. Um, but I think what we learned out of the pandemic is we can go digital um, and still maintain a lot of relationships, maintain some of that energy. But from time to time, we do need to come back together as a group to recharge, to reconnect. And then and then use that as a way to to cast vision going forward into how we could be even better than what we were previously.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So it's really that hybrid approach. And we hear the word hybrid all the time at the moment and and, and being able to do things digitally, you know, much better than we ever did before, which is fantastic. And obviously yes. you're really behind that, but really having that in-person um, connection is actually making me laugh, James, because remember you and I sort of connected and we were sort of having a chat and midway through our chat, we we were like, I've interviewed you before, and you said you've interviewed me before, but we'd never met in person because it was—I guess it must have been in about twenty. It was probably like near the end of twenty twenty. So yeah, we're all. And anyway, we just had that really funny moment of going, "I, I know who you are."
5: Right, and, and and I think that we could take away is. You know, you go to an event. The event does not end. The event continues. The connections continue. The relationships continue. Just as we are doing right now, we're on Zoom. We're able to see each other. If I think back to pre-pandemic, even 2019, this was not a a, a commonplace form of communication. It was uh, at the time we were utilizing it as an organization, but it was still very advanced. People were, you know, covering up their webcams. They weren't feeling comfortable sharing uh, and and being vulnerable through a digital channel like this. But I think that what we've learned is that we can to use your words we can hybridize communication we can hybridize uh community
4: yeah are we gonna see what are we gonna see from you in the next year james and then also a year from now Finovate Fall. what's it gonna look like some of the big themes gonna continue through
5: yeah you know i think uh first i'll, I'll touch on uh, Finovate fall looking a year ahead and then then back to this conversation, I I think we're going to see a continued rise around financial health uh, as a subject matter. Um, uh, And and the way that I look at this is you think about financial health and really the tremendous opportunity to truly transform banking for good, to make it even better. Because a person's financial well-being impacts their physical well-being. It impacts their mental well-being, their emotional well-being, their relational well-being. And, and, and thinking through how all of that is interconnected will present new growth opportunities for both financial brands and fintechs to collaborate around. Um, in regards to my own journey going into to, to next year, the, the big thing for me is launching my second book, Banking on Change. Um, and a lot of that has come from the lessons that we've learned through the pandemic, because we are in a period of exponential growth. Um, And when I define exponential growth, it is through the lens of a a person uh, growing professionally, but at the same time, also growing personally as well. And when you talk about exponentiality within financial services, you talk about change for that matter. It can make some people feel uncomfortable, but the good news is it doesn't have to feel that way.
4: No, it doesn't. And that's a really, really positive spin-off. I'm looking forward to seeing you next, uh, hopefully sometime over the next year in person and I'm sure on screen as well. And I think I think you've made some great points there about how it, we're just even more connected than we ever were before. And I know that's such a huge piece for you. Help and hope and change, it's all positive stuff. Thanks for your time, James. Really appreciate you jumping on the call.
5: As always. Thank you, Chloe.
4: Thank you.
0: That's it for another week of the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show, Breaking Banks. This episode was produced by our US-based production team, including producer Elizabeth Severance, audio engineer Kevin Hersham, with social media support from Carlo Navarra and Sylvie Johnson. If you like this episode, don't forget to tweet it out or post it on your favorite social media. Or leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, or wherever it is that you listen to our show. Those actions help other people find our podcast and in return, that helps us build an audience that can be supported by sponsorship so we can continue to provide you with our award-winning content every week. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you on Breaking Banks next week.